and welcome to Pints and Politics. are an occasional panel discussion program. Pints and Politics is a podcast posted at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcasters.ca. You can also listen or subscribe by searching for Pints and Politics on iTunes and on Stitcher. This will be episode number 108. We explore all things political with a focus on life in Peterborough, Ontario, and Canada. This episode will be our federal election debrief. The discussion to which you're about to listen was recorded on uh, Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Joining me uh, for this online discussion are members of our regular uh, politics panel. First up, we have property manager and businesswoman Jenny Lancio. Then we have a Peterborough This Week journalist and former mayor of Peterborough, Sylvia Sutherland. We have writer, editor, and podcaster Donald Fraser. So the uh, the federal election is behind us, uh, otherwise known as the useless federal election. I did find on Twitter one little chart that I found thought-provoking in the, the votes gained and lost by party for 2021. The BQ lost 95,000. The GPC lost 800,000. The CPC lost 600,000. The the Liberals lost 585,000. The NDP gained 60,000 seats. And the People's Party of Canada... 60,000 votes, sorry. And the People's Party of Canada gained... Thank you, Sylvia. That would have been scandalous. (laughs) Yes, uh, the PPC gained 542,000 votes. So, my first and perhaps only question, what happened on Monday night and what does it mean for all of us, nationally, locally? First of all, I think that we should point out that we're no longer a bellwether riding, which is something that's existed for, for ages and ages. No, uh, Donald, may I interrupt? Sure. Oh, please. No, I am no longer alone because I was the last candidate who broke the bellwether reputation in 1980 when Bill Dom beat me and Pierre Trudeau won a majority. So I am I am not happy necessarily to welcome Miriam to uh, my company, but it's nice to know that I no longer am the only one in recent history who was not elected when the party was elected. And, and I, I think ah. this, this, is, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, Peterborough has voted lockstep with the country, or rather, I think the country has voted lockstep with Peterborough for, for years and years and years. And there's a number of reasons why this is. But Peterborough also used to be a place where they would test market different things when it came to marketing. Uh, we were a great kind of demographic match with the rest of Canada. I think uh, I think Canada has become a lot more diverse than Peterborough has. And, and, and that may say something. But uh, but yeah, it is, it is noteworthy that for the first time since since Sylvia in 1980, uh, we're, we're, we're no longer matching what's happening in the House of Commons. And we have gone from a cabinet minister with the party in power to a uh, rookie backbencher. Yeah, it. Um, I have been upset, frankly, since the day the election was called, and I never got over that. Mm. And I'm still not over it. And, uh, you know, so what was the purpose of it all? Yeah, some numbers changed that, but essentially we had, and there were some disturbing trends, actually. Mm -hmm. The uh, PPC being not, well, being the most disturbing, I think. But, um, you know, so what has changed? We've gone through, we'll never, 36 days, we'll never get back again, and 600 million, 610 million dollars that could have been used for many other things. So a very, a woman I respect, a great deal and like a great deal who's very involved with the Liberal Party called me during the campaign and asked if I couldn't say something nice uh, on not even in my column because I was trying in my column which runs Sylvia here by the way which runs every week in, in Peterborough this week I was trying to be balanced and fair as far and I didn't think it was my job to tell someone how to vote and I didn't think it was necessarily my job to say how I was going to vote. But uh, and ask, as a good liberal, well, I've been carrying a liberal card, although I've not always voted liberal, since 1962. Well. And I think I am a good liberal, small L, big L maybe. But it's not always been my party right or wrong. And, and, I, and I, really, I really felt 
for the friend who called me and I felt for the party and the candidates, but I was really upset about the election. And I think a lot of people in this country were, and I think that maybe dictated some votes and some shifts that people really were upset, were angry about the fact we were at the polls at all. Yes. You know, Sylvia, I, I, I mean, a question here. I, I, I mean, most people will recognize that, that I, I'm not a liberal supporter. Uh, I never I thought have, you were. <laughs> I have voted liberal in the past. I mean, I'm, I'm just not very partisan. But when we're looking at this election, it's not exactly a young election when it comes to a minority government. A couple of years is, is pretty standard. And there is, there is this kind of notion that with the last two years essentially being completely wiped out uh, when it comes to, to policy and things outside of COVID, uh, that it's been a loss as a result of the pandemic. And and that it, there is probably an opportunity to hit a reset button and, and find out what direction people want us to go. Do, do you think that that this is necessarily a, a huge mistake by, by Trudeau yeah. and company? Or, yeah, or I do. do. I, I think it's a huge one. mistake to call... I think the I think Donald the uh, you know it was quite clear and, and understandably that Trudeau wanted a majority. Yeah. It seemed to me from the outside, and I think a lot of people looking in from the outside, not sitting you know who's sitting in the house every day, they aren't. You know the, the government is working reasonably well. You have yeah. a pandemic. You have forest fires in the on the west coast. You have mm-hmm. drought in the in the central uh, in the plains. You have uh, you had. I thought he would wait at least until Nova Scotia came in. And they didn't. Nova Scotia, which went much to everyone's surprise, who lived there practically, went conservative the first time in a long time with a majority. No, I think it, it appeared to be opportunistic. And what are you going to re- he, what are you going to reset right now? The parties were, by and large, it appeared to cooperating. Yeah. And what you know, and minority governments have worked very well in our past. And the two that we refer to most frequently are the two fearsome minorities, which made an enormous change on our social policy in this country, 60s, yes. pushed by the, by the NDP. Yep. And I, I just could not rationalize a reason other than opportunism. And even then, once Nova Scotia, even as a large L liberal, once Nova Scotia came in, you realized that even the idea of coming back with a majority was probably by then, but a faint dream. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just to me the wrong time and the wrong, given the time, the wrong reason. The reason to get a majority sometimes is obviously politically valid. I don't think it was this time, Donald. And, and yeah. I really, I really, uh, maybe I'm overreacting, but uh, I, I really did resent the fact that we were, you know, this was yes. our summer. I, I I don't think there should have been an election either, Sylvia. I, I mean, I'm I'm asking. I'm kind of <laughs> I convincing you then. <laughs> the well, no, I I don't think so. But but I think uh, Trudeau has also been in a rather tough place in that both other major parties and both other major leaders have essentially been campaigning for a year or more, uh, and and just teeing off on the prime minister. Uh, every opportunity they have, and, and and should they be elected to be called? Probably not. But I understand why Trudeau may have felt the need to at that. Look point. at you talk, Donald. About and we got to get Jenny in here. But you talk. You talk about. Uh, you know, you call an election. The leader of the opposition, Mr. O'Toole, yeah, has been fairly recently selected as leader of the opposition, and is not well known in this country, and maybe not well known beyond Durham. Uh, which is his seat, and hasn't because of COVID had a chance to get out to get well known. Uh-huh. So what you do is you call the shortest possible election period, and this is not going to give Mister O'Toole well. It didn't work quite that way, and we could talk at length about what happened there. But I think part of the thinking was that Aaron O'Toole, who's a nice guy, let's start there, but never mind the policies. You know, isn't going to get a chance to get out and show the people he is has no horns. And but it sort of backfired in some ways uh, on both of them, I think. But no, uh, and yeah, the op- the role of an opposition is to oppose, and the opposition is going to be critical of the government and the leader. You know, on you know they'll take a mm-hmm. chance. And I think too, given the current climate, pol- politics is becoming increasingly rather nasty. I think it's important to note, just from our local standpoint, that. Peterborough had a 69% voter turnout, which is like 9% more than the national average, Mm -hmm. which 
I was surprised. I, I wasn't quite sure that the voter turnout in Peterborough would be that high. I, I wasn't convinced that people really cared that much right now. I like I felt like our local like the local campaigns never kind of really gathered a tremendous amount of momentum, probably because I think it was only 36 days or like it wasn't a long campaign period. I just wasn't getting the vibe from a lot of people that people were super interested in it. So the fact that 69% of the population got out and voted, I think was impressive for Peterborough. That I think Jenny, Sylvia again, uh, I think that maybe had a lot to do with the personalities and the, of the two leading candidates and the, in some cases in a negative way in that there's, we can get into this. There is a lot, there's been a personal positive way. Michelle Ferrari, I think, and I only, the only social media I look at is Facebook, but she ran until she had to slow down because of the partially vaccinated thing for a couple of days. But she ran a very, very active and and quite professional appealing campaign Mm -hmm. on Facebook. She was, you get two or three videos a day. She was out at the market in, uh, in uh, Lakefield. She was talking to a farmer in Norwood or, no, no, not Norwood. It's not in anymore. But she really, she really got out and, and you saw these every, every day. And she, and she wasn't, and I streamed all the debates I possibly could. She wasn't bad there. And Miriam, unfortunately, Miriam Mossop had a record to defend. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's much, always much more difficult to defend a record and than it is to attack. And, but I think the two leading candidates were sort of lightning rods because there is a, there's a lot of strong feelings regarding each of them. And I, if we get to the local scene, but I think maybe Jenny, that's one of the reasons of the turnout. The local scene, I think, to my way of thinking, and I'm jumping ahead a bit here, I thought there was a rather pleasant surprise in the local mm-hmm. scene. And I'd like to see her do more. And that was Joy Chica, the yes. candidate. Right. And I'm yeah. suggesting in next week's column, just a passing re- I've never met Joy. Uh, I hope too soon. But I'm suggesting she take a run at council. Yeah, you know, she, she, she would be an addition to the, uh, a good addition from what I have seen and heard to the local. So there, among everything, there are sort of sometimes there are pleasant surprises emerge. They're, they're, they're both in a way locally kind of star candidates. Uh, um, I mean, when, when Miriam was elected the first time, um, she, she was considered a star, a star candidate at the, a star representative at the time, uh, to be then pulled into Trudeau's cabinet and bragged about as being one of the women and being coming from, uh, the Middle East, uh, you know, having, adding the diversity and, and, and the, the female nature to Trudeau's cabinet, it was a big deal. Uh, Michelle, this time around, you can't help but call her a local star uh, candidate. I mean, Sylvia, you know, you know, Peter Burrow's relationship with the media and with with journalists. Uh, Unlike a lot of places in Canada, Peter Burrow really, really, really supports its local media. Uh, And part of it is because we're not in the GTA. We've always existed a little bit differently and we've got our own media. You know, checks is huge. You can't go anywhere as a checks person and not be instantly recognized. So Michelle had that going with for her as well as she's got 20,000 followers when it comes to her own social media thing. So she's, she's a star candidate too. And yeah, you you kept pointing out she was local. Yes. From here, Uh, we can get into Get into that. But uh, so yeah, I mean, you had two big people, but I would say that Joy was maybe the strongest of this of the three, um, being the least known and, and and good honor and and absolutely, Sylvia, I would love to see her doing more in the future. I was just I was just sure. really impressed with her in the debates, with her balance, with her manner, mm-hmm. and it strikes me that I don't believe in partisan politics at the local level. And it seems, and we've got too much of it, I think, right now. But right. Uh, it strikes me that Joy is the type of individual, and I don't know her, so I, I should. But just from watching her, who can rise above partisanship, who can bring, you know, can, you know, we'll look at each issue as it comes along. Anyway, that's uh, looking in the future, and uh, who knows, she may have other plans. And I'm yep. not a kingmaker, so <laughs> and I shouldn't even be well, involved. If I, if I can, uh, what effect... This is not the right term, but what affected the local gaffes? And I'm referring to Monsef's brother's remark and Ferrari's uh, questionable vaccine status. 
put I, it, comparing those two. What what effect, if any, did these have on their respective campaigns? I don't think it had much in the end at all. I they, they, they may have canceled each other. I think it did really. momentarily, but it canceled each other out. That's interesting. Well, no, I think it. Well, the people who really jumped on fairly on Mary Monset for that comment because they took yeah. those words and didn't read the rest of it. I right. within two minutes a message on Facebook from a very active and, and partisan conservative saying Monsef's finished, just quoting brother, our brothers the Taliban. That, and they didn't go on to say, to see that she called them terrorists, and they didn't consider yeah. the circumstances. Anyway, but none of them are going to vote for Mary Monsef anyway. And, right. I, and I have the feeling it didn't have, it kept getting quoted, I guess, but I don't think it really had political okay. legs. In the case of uh, yeah. Michelle Ferrari, uh, that was almost a worse gap in a way because it was sort of a half truth. And, you know, you really, yeah, uh, have you been vaccinated? Well, I think Michelle knew right well what the full question was. And, and the question should have been, have you been fully vaccinated? It wasn't. But have you been vaccinated? And answered yes. But in the end, I don't think it came late in the campaign. People, I think, had already been voting. And I think in the end, it really didn't have much of a, a an impact although it seemed to at the moment it was quoted nationally and both of them were i don't know mm-hmm. others may feel differently i don't think it had a lot it was funny michelle michelle despite the win and 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 i like michelle i've, I've known michelle for a long time um, you know we've we've been on checks a lot together we yeah. get along very well with both her and miriam uh and and i watched this, this roller coaster of a campaign by both of them uh, where they both campaigned well, but there were some bombs going off as, as they were going. Michelle had there were there were there were a few things that happened with Michelle's. Uh, first, <laughs> there was the the leaked video of of Aaron O'Toole uh, speaking to the Ontario Conservatives and oh David just, Smith, yes, uh, yeah, and talking to David Smith and the local Conservatives, uh, lambasting. Uh, Maryam Monsef, uh, saying that that her party thinks that she's a joke, uh, that she's a liar, uh, just like ripping, ripping into her, and and saying that it was personal. He's got a, he's he's going to make sure that Maryam Monsef is not going to be there next time around. Well, that that's it reflected worse on Aaron O'Toole. It, it does. Sort of blew this image I think I think it, it takes the, uh, Michelle, who's and it did. Michelle, who who talks about community and the importance of. Of, of community and uh, and being there for one another and having each other's backs should have should have made a comment and distancing herself saying listen you know that was at a that was at a provincial conservative meeting this is not the campaign I'm running I want to go forward she probably yeah. should have uh, yeah. there was also the footage of Michelle uh, from just a, a couple of months before um, the election being called openly admitting that she didn't really understand the roles of, of, of provincial and, and federal politics and uh, and that that was rather astounding too. So she had she had some she took some some lumps. I think I think the knives were out for for Miriam and I, I and and I think they were looking, they were waiting for something like the brothers' comment to to land. Uh, and and unfortunately, it allowed for a whole lot of racism with a dash of, of misogyny. And and it it was really they were looking for a personal attack on on Miriam, uh, and and. Unfortunately, she opened she opened the door for that. Um, it was we we know what Marion meant, uh, but how do you how do you how do you make a how do you make a big deal with headlines? Well, you, you shorten it down. I, I'm curious. I like Taliban to whether or not that was scripted, or she added it. You know how how did that phrase get into that? Uh, it'd be interesting to know that. Uh, no, it it did not reflect well on the, the community's reaction to that. Those who, were, who jumped on it, it clearly, they hadn't read, in the, and the, or they had read and they cared not to acknowledge the rest of what she said. I think it's the latter, really. But anyway, it happened. And I think Jenny may want to say something. <laughs> I've got some, like, brutal internet connection at my house for some reason. But as far as, like, both of those things, the vaccination and the brother's comment, the people that made a big deal out of those, like you said, Sylvia, they weren't voting for them anyway. So it got a bit of media coverage and it gave people to talk about for a couple of days. But did it affect their bottom line numbers? I don't think so. I, no, I, I don't like I don't know that either of them were enough to turn somebody off of voting for them. 
if they were I would, going say, to... of, I would say of the bunch of of the many little bombs that went off, I would say that the the lack of vaccination status was was probably the one that may have pulled some numbers, but but Michelle still won, um, and and uh, I th- I think it would probably have been a closer election had that not, gaffe not happened, and because that's one that is such at the forefront of everyone's conversation right now is vaccine status, uh, are yes. people getting vaccinated? Uh, this this is about as hot an issue in Canada as we have had in decades. And uh, so I think, I think that one probably landed. That, but... was, that was the worst. That was that in, in, in a couple of ways, that was the worst of the two. And, uh, and, uh, and there was a deliberateness to it that was unfortunate, I'd say, but, you know, I think we have to look at what does all this now mean for Peterborough and what is the relationship going to be between the new member and congratulations to her, by the way, and, uh-huh. and I thank to Miriam for all that she's done in the States for running. It's not easy, believe me. Yeah. Um, but we had Miriam uh, and uh, Mayor Terry and Diane Terrian that work very closely together. I gather our friends from what I hear, et cetera. And, uh, and um, there is a very unfortunate relationship, which is partially perhaps based on partisanship between the mayor and David Smith. They do not get along, and I think Peterborough, in more than one way, is suffering a bit for that. And the question now is, can the mayor and uh, the new member, Michelle, put aside their differences, uh, their philosophic differences? I have no idea what their personal relationship is like, but they have to work together. I mean, I, I had the... Bill Dom beat me, but when I was mayor, Bill was very helpful and cooperative, and I worked well with Bill, as I did with Gary Stewart, who also beat me <laughs> uh, provincially. And and it's important that you know that that there be cooperation between the other levels of government and city hall for the good of the city, and hopefully that can happen. And it's not going to be a Dave Smith, uh, Diane Terrian relationship because if it is. It ain't good news. Well, first of all, we talked to you. You already mentioned the fact that we lost a cabinet member. We, we've lost uh, a person that's sitting with the government right now. Uh, yes. we've, we've really lost that huge relationship with the governance of Canada and how that affects funding, how it affects all kinds of things. Uh, so that's 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 a big loss. I suspect that we'll probably see a slightly warmer relationship between the mayor and the MP than we do between the mayor and the MPP. And I think that has a bit to do with the personality of of all three. And yes, we know that the, the mayor and the MPP butt heads, but the the MPP has. Oh, Diane's not alone. In, in the oh no, that. there's 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 both sides of that, and that's yeah. unbelievable. But and no. and I think that there's a relationship there. I know that there's a relationship there between Diane Terrian and uh, Michelle Ferrari that existed before Michelle went into politics. I think they're they're at least amicable. Right. At the very least, I've I've been in social situations where where all three of us have gotten along rather rather well. But yeah, it, it's it, it it is definitely the mayor's job right now to to see how much she can do uh, with the MP because of. The nature of federal funding and how it's going to affect a lot of the programs that that the city wants to 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 roll out. So yeah, we got, we got to hope that that relationship is going to be. Uh, now, if I could uh, ask a question about the campaign in general, I was dismayed by the lack of mention of the children's graves found at the former residential schools or justice issues for Indigenous people in general. And of course, uh, you know, we, we have three First Nations uh, close to uh, Peterborough in this area, one in the riding, actually. These issues, which burned into us so intensely in the spring, seem to evaporate on the ca- campaign trail. Now, or, or uh, am I naive? Is this how it's always been? I- I've actually spent the last week doing interviews with Indigenous people of, uh, regarding uh, residential schools and truth and reconciliation. Uh, I, I've talked to a, a couple survivors. I've talked to elders who, who didn't go to residential schools, and I've talked to young, a couple of younger people as well. And one of the things that kept on coming up was because we talked about, about the, the, the election and what happened to residential schools and truth and reconciliation when it came to the campaign. And... Uh, a number of people brought up the fact that, that the prime minister uh, was equating 
getting rid of boil water advisories to truth and reconciliation. And, and that, right. that right. really pissed off a lot of people because that's not a truth and reconciliation issue. That, that yeah. Access to water is, is a human rights issue. It's, it's not, yes. it's not like oh, yes. we're, we're, we're going to make changes with our relationship to First Nations people and get them boiling water. No, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. water is part of your job. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're indigenous. And so really when that was the level of discourse around truth and reconciliation, um, there was, there was Aaron O'Toole running from it. There was Justin Trudeau who was throwing up a smoke screen of boiled water. Or, or water, clean water access. The PPC obviously didn't want anything to do with that conversation at all. Uh, the Bloc kept on referring to Quebec as being almost equal in in the suffering that that the Quebecois have in comparison to Indigenous people, which, quite frankly, was, in, was insulting. Uh, the NDP was oddly quiet uh, about it, and it's not really the Greens thing. And so it, I feel terrible that what I think is such a massive, massive, massive issue was largely ignored. I think as far as parties go, the NDP were, like, Mr. Singh, I think, tried on several occasions to try to bring that issue to the forefront, but nobody was biting, so it didn't really gather any traction. It was almost like every party was, like, terrified to touch it. Yeah. Like, nobody wanted oh, to touch it. He tried you know, really yeah. hard to, like, you know, like, to bring attention to it, and it was part of their platform, but... Nobody well, he went to was, a fly-in reserve. Yeah, nobody else was picking it up. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of truth in what Kim Campbell said all those years ago, the first and only, so far, you know, Prime Minister of Canada, that, uh, you know, uh, election campaigns are no time to talk about serious words to that effect. And there's a certain amount of truth in that, because now, especially as we increasingly look for the sound bite and look for the, you know, the yeah. and, and, and involved in serious issues, and we sort of laughed at that at the time and still do a bit, but I'm not sure she was entirely wrong. And, uh, but Mr. Singh, you're quite right. You know, it did at least make a stab at it. Yeah. But nobody, Jenny was, you know, was willing to touch that hot potato right now. But hopefully, uh, that won't be true in the new parliament that uh, the issue will reemerge again as an important, critical issue for this country. Yes. thing that I want to touch on is that in this election where the national turnout was not particularly impressive, although not as bad as we had feared, uh, as Jenny said, about 60 percent, the PPC tripled its vote locally and almost tripled its vote nationally. Are we witnessing a sea change or, or is this just pandemic anger? What does this mean? Donald is waving his hand. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to end up going against myself on, on this, but there's, there's a lot to unpack with the PPC's, I'll, I'll air quote, success on this. Uh, they, they, did not, they did not win a seat. Uh, their leader came forth in his riding, but the numbers were up. My, my, my question, so the PPC is, is, is a bizarre animal. Um, they are, the, the relationship that you can build with, with the Make America Great Again crowd yes you can see that uh you can see you can see where uh where funding and, and partnership come from if you look down in the states one of the big movements going right now is america's frontline doctors uh take a look at the ppc who are being propped up by canada's frontline nurses who really aren't nurses they're started by a group of three nurses who have all been turfed at least one of which was at the capital insurrection uh, like there's bonkersness going on here so they're this is a scary group that probably would not be getting the numbers that they had, had our media not really pushed that story. And, and they I, would not all have been getting, giving, getting the numbers they had, had the election not been called when it was. So yeah. all the anti-vax people, that wasn't just them at all. And it wasn't all of them at all. But, you know, it gave them a forum, an opportunity to sort of coalesce, I, if that's the right word. Uh, you know, but again, calling the election with the, in the middle of the pandemic, et cetera, gave them a reason, a reason to be there mm -hmm. that they wouldn't otherwise have had. One of the leaders, all of the leaders, except the leader of the PPC, 
best moment was after the Bolton, uh, the initial explosion, the riot, or whatever you want to call them, Bolton. You know, when mm-hmm. each of them stood up and, and, and spoke against that approach to democracy or politics in this country. And I think for each of them, it was their, in a way their best moment. I, I, do, I do think that giving the PPC, they've been giving, the, the media has been giving the PPC fire a lot of oxygen. And, and I, I think that's a problematic thing to happen because if you go on, if you go onto the social media, onto, onto Twitter and things, you see a lot of chatter coming from oh, yes. people. But then you start digging into that and start looking at, okay, well, who, who are these people? Well, a lot of it's bots. A lot of these are accounts that have 20, 18, <laughs> 30 people. They, they're not real individuals. Um, and, and, and there are a lot of people who are, are cutting and pasting stuff from places like uh, the, the frontline nurses. Um, and, and then when we actually came to election time, people were talking about, you know, this big backlash against vaccines, this huge anti-masker backlash and things. And, and we started looking at the numbers and, and we realized that maybe those bots on Twitter didn't yeah. really translate. Why aren't you disturbed just a little bit? And they're not big numbers, but both nationally and locally, yep. you have the PPCs running against a, a, a head of the Green Party. Now, the Green Party has its own problems at the moment. Despite, yep. well, uh, I thought the performance of the leader of the Green Party in the debate was the best performance in the debate, but that, but Ooh, she, she has her, she has her, they have their own terrible internal problems. But when you see in a, in this country, the PPCs getting 5% of the vote and the Green Party getting 2.3% of the vote, that I find is distressing. It's not a lot, but it's distressing. Well, both, both parties are often seen as protest votes, right? And um, it's it's people saying, I'm not going to vote for any of these guys. I'm going to throw my vote way over here. And, yeah. and, and I think that the protests well, went in different directions, partially because I think you're very much right, uh, Sylvia. This was called during the pandemic at the height of the, the anti-vaccine movement and things. Uh, and also correct in that the... The Green Party imploded. I mean, they they aired their laundry in ways that just made them not a viable party this election. Yeah, yeah. But you realize that, oh, sorry, Jenny, you go ahead. It's okay. I think as far as our local numbers go and the support for the PPC, the, the people that are typically our kind of hardcore conservative group in town, I saw an interesting comment made by you know, kind of a ringleader of that group on social media on election day. And the comment was, we don't have a conservative candidate in Peterborough. We have a liberal seeking the conservative seat. Isn't that well, interesting? You know, therein lies the challenge for Mr. O'Toole, who ran yeah. in order to get the leadership, as we've been reading, and it's true, to the right, and then is trying to pull the party back to that old progressive conservative center. Yeah. Which many people, including myself, could be you know, reasonably comfortable with, but not right. the party. So he's got a caucus, and he's whether or not he can keep his job is a really open question at the moment. But he's got a caucus. How do you build those? How do you, you know, how, uh, Peter McKay has a lot to answer for when he sold out the old Progressive Conservative Party, actually saying he wouldn't do it to the reform. McKay has a lot to answer for, but you know. Mm. How is any leader going to do that? And will they give him a second chance? Or will, I mean, he's not sheer. He's a more appealing individual than sheer. And I think a, a, a more reasonable person than sheer. But look what, look what the, uh, the NDP did to Tom Mulcair after one he's, election. You know, yes. I think maybe you, you should have at least let the other sock get dirty before you throw them out. No, Sylvia, you can get away with it. What I've heard from the conservative camp is, is, well, there's already split. We've already seen in the media caucus members on either side of, of the O'Toole debate. But it's more than it's more than O'Toole. It's the direction of the party. And so oh, yeah. O'Toole, O'Toole yeah. running on. It's it's scary that what he was running on is deemed moderate, but it 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 was a moderate conservative movement that was happening there. After being elected as being very much not moderate, as when, when as as he stepped up to leader, he he really yeah. changed his direction there. Um, so I think that there's a lot of soul searching within the conservative party as to well, what are we? You know, are we are we a centrist right or are we far right and we are two different if i was a conservative and i'm not uh, that question i'd say we are two different parties 
and I'm sure we can live together in the same house. Well, and they, they may lose a lot to the PPC locally. And, and, and Jenny bring up a really interesting point with Michelle and, uh, and her political affiliation. Uh, because if you take a look at Michelle Ferreri and her relationship with, say, the arts community or the, the social community when it comes to gender, uh, sexuality, when it comes to homelessness, she was doing, she's, she's okay. That then, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at my friends in the arts community. They have done a 180. The moment that Michelle decided that she was going to run for the conservatives, uh, she she lost the the respect of the arts community of a lot of activists and uh, it's going to be interesting to see to see what happens there. You know, one of the moments of grace in in this election, uh, and I can well, I, but was the final debate. Uh, I think it was final debate on housing at All Saints Church on Friday night. And the last question of that night was from the floor. And it was from a young man named Gregory. That's all I remember about it. He, it turned out I do remember he was 15 years old. And it was a simple question. And clearly this lad is living, I would say, difficult circumstances. And his question was very innocent, very simple. It was, how come the rents are so high? And clearly, he's, I suspect his mother, his parents may be having trouble paying the rent. And Miriam and the, you know, Joy, Miriam, Shante gave, uh, you know, sort of academic answers, if I will, to that question. Michelle Ferrari looked at him, and she had talked to him before. She said, your name's Gregory, isn't it? And he, yes, it was. And she says, you're 14. And he said, no, he's 15. Okay, you're 15. She says, you know, the, the really critical thing about this, the important thing about this is that you have to ask that question at all. That you at 15 should be worried about how much the rent is. Yeah. And so I told you before what you should be worried about is this basketball game, the next, you know. But the, and it was a moment of connection and, and a, a very human connection, which you don't often see in a, a debate situation like that. And I thought, full marks to you, you know, for dealing with it in that way. That 15 year old boy yeah. has to be worried about how yeah. much rent is being paid. This is Michelle's strong point. I mean, she she is she she's a journalist. We'll we'll say the word. We'll say journalist. Uh, I mean, she was well, on. Okay. Okay. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing to be. No, no. I'm, I'm more or less. Of, uh, there there are different types of journalists. Uh, so, for instance, when she was on the five thirty and then the five and then the daily and whatever the the changing name of, uh, of the Czech show all the time, her role was to be in the community uh, and to represent the community and to have that kind of conversation where, you know, <laughs> any differences dissolve and disappear and those bonds are made and people who interview for, for a living know how to make that happen. There, there, are, there, are, there are communication skills as interviewers and, and Sylvia, you understand this and, and Bill, you yeah, right but I, I, from what I've heard about her since that's a real part of her personality that she, she cares. I do, I do think she cares yeah. and it which yeah. confuses me as to why she, she's running for the conservative <laughs> party, which, which goes against a lot of the areas in the community that she's really tried to help give a leg up to. Um, and and right. so there's not a good fit there with, uh, with the Michelle that, that's been in the media and the one who is caring and compassionate to the policies and the attitudes that, that the conservative party have floated in the last half decade. Well, if I, if I could on that theme raise the issue and we, we've been skating around it a bit, but let's, uh, to give it some words, uh, will we as citizens be able to find the goodwill to continue to live and work with each other in this writing? I mean, knowing now such strong positions on all these partisan issues. I mean, this was oh, by uh, far the nastiest campaign Mr. I think no, we've Mr. run. Gentleman. Every can this is, this is the, the whole campaign federally has been very dispiriting and has been nasty as such. But there have been nasty, sort of nasty campaigns in this writing before, and and after a while we all we all sort of I have I've never lost a friend I hope over politics, and I certainly okay. uh, and and I think in the end yeah we do all you know or mo most of the time I don't think this is go this is going to divide this writing or hopefully this country forever. And or even for very long. I mean, I, I, I do believe I mean, we are a community fundamentally at our core of, of goodwill. And I think that people aren't going to be divided to give you some hope are going to be divided. I could be very innocent about all this and very naive, but no, we're going to get back together as a community. With it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, the discourse that's happening, it's not even discourse. The, the fabric of our society is, is, is rending. 
right right now based on things like the vaccine situation where parents aren't talking to their kids. There was, there was a thing on the CBC this morning where a guy was uh, his his wife wanted didn't want his child to be vaccinated. And now he's not talking to his wife or his parents or, you know, these are things that are ripping apart uh, really strong relationships. I, I think you're right, Sylvia. I think, or I hope you're right, that the relationships that we have in, in Peterborough, because the people who are involved in politics, it's a fairly small circle. Uh, right. And they have to get all bad things are going to happen. And and we've already talked about some of the bad things happening at the at the local versus provincial level. And and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that we learn to to get along. I, I uh, think. Yeah, I, I, I'm still optimistic, even at my age, that uh, that we will. And I hope I'm not naive. But yeah, and, and there have been other things that have rent this country apart. Uh, conscription, but not necessarily conscription. Let's go back to that. And, and even oh, yeah. a, fair, a fair number of other things. And uh, and yeah, this is serious. And, and, and But I do think, and hope, well, I hope, obviously, but I do think that, no, this is not going to, to tear us apart forever for very long. If you say for not a long time, on the plus side, this is another minority government. So we'll be, we'll yes. be we'll probably be doing this again in two years anyways. Oh, that's well, right. Exactly. The fact that it's a minority government, just go back earlier to another issue. Uh, the fact that it's a minority government, you have an elected member, a fresh face, uh, inexperienced elected member sitting on the opposition benches. But this riding can go liberal again, and the government of the day will recognize that. So I don't think that they may be open to, you know, to dealing reasonably with Peterborough, this bellwether riding most of the time. Yeah. I hope that people are willing to give Michelle a chance at the very least. Like worst case scenario, she's here for four years and then we move on to somebody else. When Miriam got elected, she didn't have any experience either. You know, like I hope the best case scenario is that Michelle keeps her eyes open and her mouth shut and doesn't volunteer and learns the job before she's like stay out of her hot tub in her bikini talking to people on Facebook and just learn how to do the job would be my my hope for her. I think I saw her in action on a couple of debates. I was pleasantly surprised. I think yeah. she I underestimated her. I you know, whoever was handling her, whether it was Mike Skinner or whatever, I think he did a great job preparing her for stuff. Yep. And I hope that she carries that forward into her job. We have have her now, so she's here now. So absolutely, it's in everybody's interest to give the member, give Michelle a chance to prove herself. And uh, my advice to her is to not to read the comments on Facebook or any of the right. Social media can work either way for her. Like I think it'll either be her best friend or her worst enemy. And I hope that she learns really quickly which one it is. I, I, I want to recount a story, which I know to be true. Not long after Miriam, well, I guess a little while after Miriam was first elected, uh, there was a social gathering. And the, uh, the in a quiet conversation, someone at the gathering asked Miriam what she was enjoying most about <laughs> her new role as a member for Peterborough and what she was enjoying least. And the individual asked the question, couldn't remember recently what she said she enjoyed most but there were two a two-word answer even then to what she enjoyed least and the two words were the hate mm-hmm. the hate yeah and is that yeah. not a sad commentary well and yes and, and I'll, I'll be i'll be blunt Miriam faced a lot more hate than michelle is going to oh. uh the, Harsh, the, the, the race issue yeah, the the race issue, the 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 country of origin. There was the fact that well, Michelle's a Leahy. Like, I mean, there. Oh, I know. Like, I thought they were all liberals. What happened? <laughs> yeah, well, I want to I want to be around the Thanksgiving table for that one. <laughs> but um, but so so she already has. She's already in in the bosom of of a lot of Peterborough, both rural and. Let's start reading some of the comments already out there on Facebook, Donald. She doesn't need that. Nobody does. Already, no, no one in mind. There are always detractors, and there's always envy. And envy paid, played a big role in, in 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 some of the comments that that Miriam was getting as well. Oh. And uh, and dare we say racism? Yes. Oh well, yes, indeed, we do. In uh, I, I mean that uh, I mean, during this conversation, I would like to make reference to that horrid sign on Lansdowne that uh, stayed up. Uh, oh, that... well, yeah. I wonder who put that. Anyway. 
Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, no, it's uh, it was not our best moment in Peterborough. I'll tell you that. And uh, and you know this whole birth thing. Uh, you know she was eleven years old. Both her parents were Afghans. We shouldn't even debate it again. Both her parents came from Afghan. She happened not to be born there. They were they were they were migrants. They were on the, uh, you know sort of on the run. Yes. And, and, and how do you say she lied about where she was born? She was eleven years old. Old. Yes. Yes. And she was she was born of Afghani parents. Yes. No. Go ahead, Jenny. No, I was just going to say I think what's going to work well in Michelle's favor is I think Michelle has broader shoulders. Like she's she's yep. no stranger to these types of comments. She's no stranger to getting paid online or debating with people online. I really don't think it's going to flop her that much. No matter how broad your shoulders are, you can carry it off well in public, but nobody wants that sort of garbage. And yes. that's those really personal, hurtful comments. You may have broad shoulders, and I think Miriam handled it extremely well. You know, with dignity and with grace always. She never, uh, I mean, she never responded in kind to these, and that's to her credit. And I'm sure Michelle, if the same sort of thing happens, will do the same. But um, mind you, she's Irish. Yes, and the Irish. yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get a little fiery. Yeah. Now, are there any good news stories coming out of what we've been through nationally, locally? Jen, you, you, you mentioned the, the voter turnout locally. That's good. And Is there I, anything I, else? Well, and I mentioned earlier, we found a, a, a couple of individuals, but certainly one individual who is new to this community, mm-hmm. who has, I think, a, a, yeah, a, I think that's a, a, very, a, a um, great future in contributing to it. And sure. maybe two. Shante is younger, but, you know, uh, no, I think, you know, that came out. We found sort of new stars in a way, if you will, new hope in, in new individuals. And, and the very fact that we, you know, it's... Uh, I think Miriam made reference to it uh, either the night she conceded and that, uh, you know, the fact that we could have a democratic election, you know, as much yes. as they resent yes. when it was held, the fact that we've been through this, we've come out the other side, and there we are. One thing, though, that isn't really directly answering your question, but I, I found it distressing on election night that the only other leader who did the traditional and correct thing, this isn't local, the, can, the candidates here handled it well, and congratulated the winner, Justin right. was Jad Meekson. And, you know, the, the, the night of the election is not the night that you really actively start your next campaign. You, first of all, congratulate the person who won, I think. You know, Sylvia, you raise a, a good point, and I should mention we're winding down here, but I wanted to put out on the table just how did the – well, we, we've talked at length about how the local candidates did. How did the national leaders do? And let me put in my two senses. I was impressed with much of the time, not all the time, but much of the time with with how Singh handled himself and the things he said and the things he avoided saying. Oh, yeah. I, what... I think he's a very together individual. And he didn't have – and I would – actually, I found uh, each of the leaders had their moments of grace and had their strong oh, – okay, okay. And had their strong moments. And when you think of some of the uh, – and and certainly uh, the most vulnerable right now of them all is Aaron O'Toole because never mind that he, you know, he held on to at least what they had. And when people – a lot of people didn't expect him to, but he's certainly the most vulnerable at the moment. And again, during the debate was the leader who had no chance at all of ever – well, there were two in that platform that night, one who didn't want to be prime minister in Canada – but uh, but right. one uh, during the debate, but one who probably in her heart of hearts aspired to it somehow. But the most impressive performance that night was uh, was Miss Paul for the enemy uh, Paul yeah. exactly. You know, I, I mean, thought, what a loss that is to Parliament. That yes, is yes. In Toronto Centre, which has been liberal since the God, uh, you know, is a, is a good question. It's almost self destructive. Yes, but, uh, yes. but she was really impressive that night. I fully agree, and uh, one of my uh, meandering just thought is, uh, what will happen to her, and how could she um, be still involved? Because I think, as you said, Sylvia, she she had so much to say that oh, yeah. made a lot of sense. Well, I suspect on the public forum and maybe behind the scenes, but I think her her days, uh, you know, with at the moment at least, with any sort of prominent role publicly, uh, is, are about finished. Okay. I'm- 
I'm curious sure, Jen. to see. I'm curious to see where Miriam's going to land. Yes, going to run for mayor of Peterborough. Oh, I don't know. Do you think? I don't know. I, I never uh, I thought about that. Well, the rumor is out there. Already. Oh, jeepers! Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I guess be we'll a very see, you know, right another year for another column on who might be running and might not be running. But there is some rumor to that. Uh, who knows? I, I suspect at this moment she herself doesn't know. It takes a while to get over a loss. Yes. Especially when you get in office. Yeah, for sure. In regard to Miriam, there was one other observation I saw on social media after the the brother's comment uh, blew up. Uh, And it was from David Tuff, who who ran for the NDP the last election, not in this writing, who said, you know, Miriam Mont and David Tuff as an NDP supporter is not a liberal, not a supporter of Miriam. But his comment was, you know, Miriam Monsef probably hates the Taliban more than you do. Yes. And I, and I thought, yes. at last, you know, a bit of clarity here. The, the, you know, it puts the brother's remark in perspective. Very, in a very human way, I know we have to go. Can you think, as her mother listened to all this, what must be going through that poor woman's heart and yes. as she yes. her, I gather her lovely mother, but, you know, what, what yes. you know, we've been through so much. And oh. the, the garbage resulted from that comment. Yeah. Okay, last words. Any final thoughts about the uh, campaign that we, we should come back to next time? <laughs> oh, God. Well, thank you. Yeah, final thought. Thank God it's over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious to see, you know, Michelle made some pretty strong comments about our downtown and our homelessness and our opioid issues and things that are going to directly affect our city. And so we'll see if she can put hers or the federal government's money where her mouth is. We'll see. Well, I'm sure yeah. I suspect she'll try. But yeah. I'll see what opportunity there is. But yeah. give, her, give her a chance. She ran. That's right. Give her a chance. She ran a good campaign. And she ran She's a good campaign to get the won. nomination. She ran a good campaign to win. And That's right. Well, all right. So Sylvia and Jen, and uh, he's had to depart to cook dinner. Uh, Donald, uh, thank you so much for joining me for this panel discussion. You've been listening to Pints and Politics, uh, now and then discussion program about all things political. And uh, that's episode number 108. It'll be uploaded in a few days. And then uh, we post on Twitter at Bill Temp and our Facebook page, Pints and Politics Podcast. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So until next time. This is Bill Temple.